New Dissident Radio. Listen before it's illegal. I'm Dylan Brody. You're listening to Waking from the American Dream with Kelly Carlin. Brought to you by Public Nudity. Public Nudity. Irritating the tight-ass for several centuries. That's my friend Dylan Brody. And this is Kelly Carlin. And welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Relationship works because we never talk. Except for make me some eggs, bacon, and toast. And aren't you gonna wear socks? To be honest and true, what I like about you is that you're always high. You don't care if out of the house and neither do I This must be the way we want it This must be what we need I'll make the martinis and you fire up the What silences me You were with someone else I snatched you up for myself Like the last piece of meat Not that you didn't Jump at the chance Old dog that you Thank you. 
That was Fire Up Daweed by Tracy Newman, who uh, is a very good friend of mine and also the sister to the great and fabulous Lorraine Newman. Tracy uh, was a showrunner for many years. She's been on the show here. She didn't run my show, but she she was a showrunner, according to Jim and all sorts of things, writing for years in television. And she's kind of like semi-retired now, and she's just doing singing, songwriting, and she's so happy and She's one of those people on stage who completely, completely lights up the room when she sings. She's just, she's amazing. And she's funny and smart and, you know, all that crap, whatever. Uh, so, hi, everyone. It's uh, it's June. It's June 16th. I know that date because yesterday was my birthday. Yesterday was my birthday. And uh, I was just talking to a friend on the way down here because whenever I drive to the studio here, and by the way, when I say studio, I mean the extra bedroom of Johnny Dam's apartment. Uh, who Johnny Dam, who you know runs New Dissident Radio, he he birthed New Dissident Radio. Uh, we are still in his apartment. He's looking for studio space, but we're still in his apartment. So anyway, I was driving here uh, from my house in Westchester, which is Westchester, Los Angeles, not Westchester, New York. Uh, I live by the LAX, and uh, it's about a 40, 45-minute drive consistently. Not too bad after 4 o'clock, though, because that little right lane opens up, and they move all those parked cars, and I just zip right up the right lane. Anyway, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, my birthday. So I was talking to a friend, and I'm like, okay, I'm officially 48 years old. That's 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 getting closer to 50. Just want to mention that. Uh, and I don't have a big thing about age, but I was thinking – you know, whenever I get stuck in my like immature, I see the world as the teenager kind of does or my 20s, like, oh, I don't really have to think about the future kind of thinking. I think, no, Kelly, you're going to be 50 in two years. You're supposed to be only 15 years, 17 years, 18, 20 years away from retirement. How's that going for you? Yeah, well, just starting my career, I feel like uh, at this point in my life. So, uh, you know, I'm a late bloomer. Uh, you know, I, I, I was um, uh, always a late bloomer. But uh, so, 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 yeah, I, I had my birthday yesterday, which was very fun. Uh, I did some few things and saw some friends perform last night, which was great. And uh, But mainly what I'm still working on, of course, as you all know, because I've been blabbing on it for weeks, is my one-woman show, which I'm officially calling it my one-woman show. This is a breakthrough for me. I was calling it a one-family show before that, and before that it was like a show about my dad and home life and but Paul Provenza, who's working with me, has convinced me that, no, it really is a one-woman show. And uh, fuck. <laughs> it means that I just – I've committed emotionally to it now. And that's scary as, as an artist. And I know that's a pretentious word to use, but I don't really know what other fucking word to use. Uh, so uh, – but, but it's good. I've made some breakthroughs. I've got some ideas, uh, some things that are happening. The big key opened up for me last week. Paul opened it up. He handed me the key and said, this is what the show's about. And I went – Wow, that's what my whole life is about. Thank you. Now I don't have to go back to therapy ever, ever again. So thank you, Paul Provenza, for saving me at least ten, twenty more thousand dollars in my life. Uh, but now I have to write this show and perform it in Montreal at the end of July. So, um, and that just literally went made my blood pressure go up when I said that. But I'll be fine. No, everyone looks at me and they goes, "Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine." Yeah, I'm the fucker on the stage in front of three hundred people. 
I will be nervous. But yes, I will be fine because no matter what, I'll be playing clips of my dad. And at least for a few minutes, every few minutes, people will be laughing. No, just kidding. Uh, People will be laughing at me too. No, laughing with me or at me, whatever. Uh, There's some jokes in there, but there's also a lot of intense reality. (laughs) I'm kind of the intense reality girl. Gee, I don't know. We live the shadow of our parents, as Jung says. So if my father was all about making the world laugh, I believe my job is to make the world cry, but (laughs) hopefully uh, at time, uh, tears of joy. Uh, Anyway, so yes, I'm intensely writing my show and rewriting it, but I've got the key now. I've got the themes. I know what I'm working on. I know what beats to put in. I know why. And, uh, and it's exciting. It's fun. And, and it's, it's interesting. It is a one woman show and, and hopefully in the fall I'll be touring it and come to a town near you. Hopefully. Uh, so yeah, anyway, uh, and, and well, forget that. Uh, so anyway, my, my guest is here. <laughs> this is how lost I am today is that I, I've been literally in my house by myself with my computer writing. And if any of you are writers out there or flip, if you know about this, when you're intensely in this kind of process, it's just you and your kind of inner world and everything. And then I have to like run in the shower, take a shower, jump in my car, drive, and like suddenly now, like, oh, I have to interact with humans. <laughs> it's being a whole different kind of mind space and headspace. It yeah. is, completely. I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm normally very good at interacting with humans. But You're doing it really well right thank now. Thank you. I've, I've, I'm sitting up straight, I yeah. believe, yes. I have Making a, eye contact. Yes, we're doing the eye contact yeah. thing, which is very nice. Absolutely. Uh, so so my, my guest here is uh, Flip Schultz. Uh, he's a, a, a stand-up comedian, and funny enough, uh, he and I have the same manager. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know it went that far. <laughs> hey, how are you? Come hey, here. Hey, kid. Hey, kid, come over here. Wanna, hey, kid. Want to get you on Kelly's show? What the fuck are you doing today? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? That would be my imitation of Jerry Hamza, who was my dad's manager for over 30 years. Mm. And so, yeah, Jerry, when I were talking one day, and he started talking about you, and, telling him, and he's like, hey, hey, hey. Hey, Flip should come on your show. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. He should come on my show. That'd be yeah. fun. That way we can talk about you the entire time, <laughs> Mr. Hamza. <laughs> no, no, don't talk about me. Just talk about you guys. <sighs> I'm going out fly fishing. Fuck you, people. <laughs> I'll be in Maine. <laughs> yes, forever. Call me at the guest house. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So I was uh, reading up on you, Flip, because that's what I do when people come on my show. I read up on them. And what did you find out? I found out that you won a talent show when you were eight years old. Somebody knows Wikipedia. (laughs) It's just the cutest damn thing. I want to know. So by the way, just to give you a little background on Flip, Flip's done... Well, he's done everyone. He's, he's done everyone. No, he, <laughs> I'm no, quite his, the hood. No, his fiance. I, I don't know her name, but she, I'm just kidding. That wasn't what I meant. He's been everywhere. <laughs> she's done everyone. Yes, no, yes, she's done it. No, uh, Flip's been everywhere. He's uh, played every imaginable comedy club in America. He's been all over Europe. He's even been to Iraq. Bless mm-hmm. you. I've talked to Mr. Lewis Black and Kathleen about going to Iraq and. It's definitely an amazing experience. Amazing experience yeah. and cold. They were very cold when they were there. I don't know if you were there during the cold <laughs> part of the year, but they were there during the freezing part of the year. I actually was there when it was about uh, 130 degrees. Oh, so you were there the opposite end yeah. of the year. <laughs> no, I'm a Jew. We wandered through that desert <laughs> oh, for 40 right. years, and even I'm going, fuck, this is really hot. <laughs> this is really fucking hot. You people are crazy. Um, and you were also a uh, semifinalist on Last Comic Standing, which we must talk about because I want to know all about what that is. <laughs> 
And uh, and then you came back and you did you do this character called Skippy Green. So I want to know about you and your Skippy Green character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing I loved most about it was a mag. I love some of the quotes that were about you. I found some other website with quotes. It said one magazine said that he is unlike many Gen X comics. He's actually funny. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. harsh, that was man. Really harsh. But, but then very if, nice. Yeah, but very nice, exactly. And then of course you would assume my favorite quote would be would from, the, my father, from my father, which is that he's just he's like an ostrich on PCP. It was like it's a frightening image. <laughs> that, that that story that your father gave me that quote is one of my favorite stories to tell. Well, do tell. Um, well, it's the. Uh, because I I was with Jerry, mm-hmm. who's your dad's manager, right when I moved to L.A. So this was around 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. And um, he had me open one of uh, your dad's shows in Florida with Dennis Blair. Yes. Who is his regular opener. So um, before the show, I'm really nervous. And I'm backstage with Jerry. And Jerry can all right, you're on in two minutes. You're right, okay? I'm, like, yeah, I'm okay. Really nervous. And all of a sudden, down the hall, the doors swing open. And your dad just comes strutting down the hallway. And he's just singing... Cocksuckers, you fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> and made us all laugh and just put his arm around me and goes, I'm really anxious to see your show. I'm just going to put my shit away, then I'm going to watch it. So he kind of put me at ease. But then again, I'm, my heart's like racing now <laughs> that now I, he's know, watching now I know he's watching. <laughs> so I go on, I did 10. I had like a really, really great set. And I come off stage and he puts his arm around me and goes, Hey, you're funny, kid. You're like an ostrich on PCP. <laughs> and I start laughing. I said, Can I use that? And he goes, Wait, actually, what's funny? A PCP or angel dust? <laughs> <laughs> and I think PCP is funny. Use PCP. He's rewriting himself. It was, I love it was it. brilliant. Oh, it that's great. Just a, just a gen, genuinely wonderful guy. Yes. And I was really, I was really thrilled. Not only did I get to meet him, but I got to share a bill with him. Oh, that's very cool. Really, really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. See, we're going to learn all sorts of things about each Fun other little today. Secret. <laughs> So tell me about this talent show at eight years old. What, what was this like? Were you really like the class clown and this was an easy thing for you? Yeah, or? you know, like, honestly, everybody, you know, sometimes knows when they're a kid what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's fantasiful things. I'm going to be an astronaut or right. I wanted to be a comedian right. since I was a kid. And, um, yeah, when I was uh, eight years old, I, I, and I was, oh, yeah, I was always class clown, loved making people laugh. Girls, right. girls thought I was cute because I could make them laugh. Yep, yep. Thank God for the personality. Yep. And, um, <laughs> no, he's very cute, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I was uh, eight, they had a summer camp talent show, and I just went up and told some jokes, did some impressions that my dad taught me. Wait, and, who did you do? Um, you got to remember, I'm eight, yeah, of and I was taught by my father. And what year is this? Eight year old, you're eight years old. Uh, and... This was in summer of '83. Okay, all so right. So you can do the math there. Eight, yeah, seventy-five. And uh, four. Uh, four. And uh, four. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I did um, what I do. Ronald Reagan, mm. John Wayne, Wallace Berry, Carol Channing, all these old, old people that no, yeah, nobody in my age group knew these people. My dad taught them to me. He thought it was adorable. But all the judges of this town, this is back in South Florida, were all these old oh, Jews. hello. These old Jews loved it. There's this little eight-year-old doing Carol Channing and Wallace Berry. So, you know, these other kids are doing dance routines and singing. Right. I'm up there doing shtick, and I end up winning. <laughs> and my dad was more surprised than anybody. He honestly thought I was going to be heartbroken and was prepared to take me out for ice cream. Oh. And I ended up winning. Oh, my God, that's great. And, I, and my dad told me that. I was eight, and I just go, well, fuck you, too. <laughs> Didn't have any confidence in me, you dick. 
No, I didn't call him a dick. No. <laughs> Douchebag, maybe. Douchebag, yeah. yeah, I was eight. I that, didn't. that was very bad. Yeah, more but uh, yeah, and since then, I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. So at eight years old, um, who, did you have? Did you know any about stand-up com- comedians, or did you see them on TV? I, t- I, yeah, I saw them on TV. Like, um, I'll be honest, like, like um, I didn't really get into your dad till I was older, because at, right. at that time, I didn't understand. I just heard curse words. I didn't understand the actual right. complexity and brilliance behind the words. But like, I was inspired when I was a kid by like Robin Williams, Steve mm-hmm. Martin. I would just watch them on HBO and watch all the old young comedian specials and yep. just be blown away and just like, I want to do that so bad. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Steve Martin was one of my earliest, I mean, obviously my dad, but it, my dad was like, that was the air I breathed, you know? I was going to say, when you're that close to it, it's hard <laughs> it's, to yeah, it's not like the objective. But Steve Martin was the first stand-up who... I like memorized some of his routines, mm-hmm. and not that I even wanted to be a stand-up, but we would just, you know, you know, we you, this is what you did. We, they were quotable. Monty Python, Steve Martin, Saturday Night Live. I mean, you just memorize these bits yeah. and things like that. And so when I met him uh, last year at a New York Public Library tribute that they did for my dad, mm-hmm. and he came to be in the audience. And when I met him, after the whole evening of everyone saying, oh, I memorized George Carlin's bits and everything, I went up to Steve Martin and said, no, I memorized your bits. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't memorize my dad's. I knew my dad's bits. I mean, you know. <laughs> so oh, I just love that. Oh, same here. Yeah. That's, did you read his book? I have not yet. <gasps> I know. Oh, Kelly, it's brilliant. I know, I've got it it's on audio book. I have it on I have it audio and I have the book. Yeah. And it's great on audio because you, you hear him doing some of his old bits in the uh, same cadence that he did uh, them. So it's it's like, great. oh, it's so cool. Yeah. he's I, I love him so much. He's uh, he's a true intellect, you know, and his his writing, I mean, his, his playwriting is amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And so he's one of those people that has this multiple layers to them that's fascinating. And, and what I thought was really interesting is when I met him, he, I, I, there wasn't a lot of warmth there. And I've heard this about him too, that he's got a bit of a wall wall, around him. And, and I was a little disappointed about that, you know, because I was expecting this like warm, I don't know, smile or something. And he he smiled and he was lovely and very nice. And, and he was, I mean, very kind and all of that, but I just, and it kind of broke my heart a little bit. I was like, Oh, I want to come and heal you, Mr. Martin. (laughs) I'm a Jungian therapist. Let's go in the other room and sit down and talk about it. Aww. Talk about your mommy issues. Very zen of you. It was very zen of me. Well, if you read his book, like he, he talks a lot about his, uh, his growing up and mm. the, the, the issues that he mm. kind of developed, especially with his dad. Mm. Had a really awkward relationship with his dad. Oh, and so it's daddy issues. Daddy issues <laughs> well, a little bit. I have a few of those myself. <laughs> Don't. That's the. That's I, good. I'm. I'm probably the only one of the only comics in the business. I was never a drug addict. I have a. My parents are still married after almost forty years. Jesus. I've what, never what's been wrong divorced. <laughs> I've nothing. I just. I'm a goofy guy. Who likes making people laugh. Wow. You're. I, I, you're gonna, you know what we're gonna hear about in like ten years? <laughs> you're gonna be up on a tower somewhere with a fucking machine gun, killing people. I just occurred my dad touched <laughs> me in my head. <laughs> Kidding, Dad. Dad never touched me. No, yes. he was. That was a joke. Dad. That was a joke, was Papa. A, by the way, are your parents listening today? You think? They don't even understand what a computer is, oh, so I okay. highly doubt it. Okay. Good. If I said there's a podcast, they probably thought they're doing Invasion of the Body Snatchers <laughs> again, and they're, they're, they're you've been cast as a, as pod. a pod. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's my son, third pod to the left, <laughs> the one Kevin McCarthy owned. <laughs> my friend. Uh, 
uh, John Rygrod uh, was uh, one of the sperms in Everything You Always Want to Know About Sex But Was Afraid to Ask. Oh, the Woody Allen movie? The Woody Allen movie, yeah, yeah when they're all like, we're going to make babies. He was one of the extras in the sperm <laughs> scene. I thought, wow, I want that on my resume. That's a great sperm. <laughs> sperm, yes. Fourth sperm on the Fourth left. Sperm. <laughs> that is a really great credit. Isn't that a great yeah. credit? Man, I, I think I'd be done with showbiz at that point. I'm like, I'm done. I, I can't top sperm. No, I'm sorry. I can't, no. you know, if I can't be Woody Allen, I, I am the sperm, and that's just the way it's going to be. Closest to Woody you're going to get. Exactly. Woody and sperm. <laughs> Well, wow. yeah, we know how that Absolutely. that works out. <laughs> Can't have a sperm without a Woody. No, it's 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 awkward. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, oh, I want to know about your name, Flip. Is it your real name? No, no, it's short. It's a nickname for my uh, flippant. Real name. Is that your full Flipper. name? Flipper. 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 Okay. <laughs> I love doing that. No, let's see if you can guess my name. I always give people three guesses. Okay, you're a nice Jewish boy from Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, your name is uh, uh, Joshua. No. No. Um, uh, Don't think too hard. Uh, Jacob. Nope. Uh, uh, Adolf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's your name? <laughs> Philip. Philip. Oh, you do look like a Philip. Yeah. Well, now that you know. And then Flip isn't not that far from Philip. That's exact. People always do. They do that. They, well, it flips. So what is it? Sherman or Seymour? <laughs> yes. No, just Xavier. Flip is Flip is usually a natural nickname for Philip. Is it? Yeah. Most people go with Phil for a nickname. Yeah, they do. I've always been Flip. Oh. And yeah. so I was, when you were a kid, you were Flip. Pretty much. Like when I went into high school, I was Flip. Oh, that's so, cool. From high school till now, it's See, all it's been. I was always jealous of people who had different, you know, names. Like, not their real name, but they got a well, new name. Was Kelly your, your... Kelly's it. it. Yeah. And I was going to be... Kelly's almost Ke- like a legal nickname. And I was going to be Kelly, whether girl or boy. Oh. I was Kelly, no matter what. No matter what sex I was coming out, this lifetime, I was going to be a Kelly. I, I heard if I was a girl, I would have been Patricia. Oh. Which I, Patty. Patty. That's, mm, uh, yeah. yeah. I like, I like Philip and then Flip. And better. then, yeah, it's a natural, nice progression. Yeah, it is nice. Well, you, no one ever calls you like Kel? Oh, yeah, I get the Kel and Kel Bell. And Kel then, Bell? and then in elementary school, it was Kelly, you know, with the belly full of jelly and all those kind of things. <laughs> Kelly but with yeah. the belly full of jelly. Yeah, you know. Yeah, my, Phil, Philip really didn't associate Phil, itself with too many rhymes. Philip, Philip with, the, with the fucked up face t- and tulip. no girl. <laughs> Nope. It doesn't know. It didn't really flow off the tongue. No. They, they tried, though. Yeah. They tried. I'm sure they I Knowing kids, they did try. Actually, my last name was Schultz. I remember the worst anybody can rhyme was they called me Philip Schultz in a bucket of bolts. Wow. Didn't even make sense. That was lame. Very lame. <laughs> so I had that going for me. You didn't have to worry about anyone picking on you too much about that. Not about that. Everything else. Everything yeah, else. But not yeah, you that. were screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. That's that's again main reason I wanted to comedy. I can make people laugh. So <laughs> couldn't play sports. Girls didn't really like me that way. But make them laugh. So. Yep. Yep. And and so when you were you were young, you were eighteen. You just you went. You, but you went to college, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I got my degree. Yeah. Got my BFA. It's a BFD. A BFD. <laughs> So helpful, isn't it? Those those yeah. degrees, the bachelor, oh, bachelor yes. fine arts degree. Yes, very helpful, yeah. especially in this economy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you the offers I am getting I'm for sure. my bachelor fine arts degree. <sighs> I can imagine seven figures, <laughs> and I said, "Nope, I want to still do comedy and make three figures." 
<laughs> because I love it. I love the art. That's right. Good for you. <laughs> Thank for you, holding Kel. out. I do. I like that about you. Thank you. Integrity. I have plenty of it. That's good. Can pay, I can't pay the... Yeah, but that's... In and out burger right. with it. But, <laughs> which is more important than rent, if you ask me. It Well, yes, especially if you live in L.A. Although the Apple Pan Burger... Hmm? Mm, don't know about the Apple Pan, do you? I don't. Well, it's uh, on uh, Pico, right near Westwood Boulevard, right across from the mall there, actually. And it's been there since, like, the 40s. This, it's a little house. Oh! It's a house. Yeah! It's got two little counters... And they, they're it's like in and out, uh, like there's four things on the menu basically. Mm-hmm. And plus they make incredible apple pie. Thus the apple pan is the name uh-huh. of the place. But I have to say in and out burgers are good, but apple pan burgers will change your life. Really? Yeah. But they're not a chain. No, it's only one. So you can't get, that's the thing. In and out, no. you can get it. You got it. Yeah. No, you got to be in Westwood and you got to be in the mood for the burger and you got to be willing to stand a little bit of a line because I think it can only seat like 20 people at a so time. So it's almost like pinks, but for burgers. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. But you get to go inside and it's very cozy. And the people, the two guys who work the counter are, um, been there forever and they're very <laughs> grumpy. <laughs> What are you, another fucking bird? Exactly. Yeah, Christ. yeah, yeah. They're they're pretty. Shoot me. They're pretty funny guys. <laughs> have to check it out. Yeah, they're good. It's it's great. So, and I recommend highly recommend it to everyone here in Los Angeles. If you come to the Los Angeles, you have to check it out. Uh, so, what year did you come out to L.A. to do comedy? I moved out here January two thousand one. Wow. Yeah. So just over ten years now. Wow. Yeah. It's. Uh, been a fun ride so far. Yeah. yeah. So when you got to, so where were you before you were in Florida or in did you Florida. go to New York or? No, I went right from Florida to here. Wow. Just, uh, I, cause I kind of decided where I wanted to go and I looked at the, uh, um, pros and cons of each place. Uh-huh. New York is amazing. I love it. Yeah. But much more expensive. Yes. Couldn't have a car. Not used to those winters growing up in Florida. Oh, that's true. That's right. So I just kind of went L.A. just seems like the more logical choice for me. And and when you came out here, did you uh, have to audition for the clubs? Like there's, there's a yeah, couple of main yeah. clubs out you here. Go through You go through all those hoops when you first move out here. You know, it's, it's funny, too, because like so many comics, like when I came from Florida, I was, you know, I was pretty known in Florida and I, you know, was working the road pretty steady. So right. like, to me, I was like, cool, I'm, I'm a fucking comedian and I'm going to go into L.A. and just blow the doors down. And right. I get out here and got to start all over at the yeah. clubs and do all the open mics. Yeah. But I love that. I love that this process is never over, that uh, there, there's there's always growing involved. So yeah. I, like if there's if there's ever an open mic and as long as it's not too far away, I'll do it for free as long as it's a stage where people want to listen. You oh, know? that's great. Yeah, because uh, – the the second that I feel like I'm done mm-hmm. doing this, it's it's boring. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's completely it, it doesn't you don't get anything back from the process. Yeah. So that's that's why I love doing stand up. So so when you do you do now are you um, headlining around the country? Is that what you do now or like what's I know there's like I did not grow up in the comedy club so I'm just <laughs> learning all this lingo. Uh-huh. But I know there's an opener and there's a feature and there's a headliner. Mm-hmm. And and then, but that's like a certain size thing. But you can be a headliner in one place, but you be an opener in another place, and it just all it, depends. Well, you know, most comics out there who are making a good living at it, they're all headliners in their own right. But it's especially like for the improv, you have to be of notoriety, right, to really be a solid headliner in those clubs. Mm-hmm. Only because, especially now, it's about the business end. It's about right. getting people in the doors and. 
you know, there's a small sect of people who would know me. Right. But I wouldn't draw like that at the improv. So usually when I go to the improvs, I'm featuring or uh-huh. split, if you know, split weeking. Right, right. Which is I'll headline some off days and a bigger name comes in on the weekends. Right, right. Um, but then like some other clubs that aren't improvs, uh, I'll headline. And um, the only club I ever just opened for is uh, where I just was last week in Vegas. Uh-huh. The improv there. But I kind of prefer that. Yeah. Because uh, opening, especially in Vegas... Um, it still keeps me sharp mm. and keeps that MC muscle kind of still trained, which mm. is, to me, the mo- one of the most important and valuable uh, uh, talents you can have as a comic is to go out to a cold crowd right. and bring them together and focus. Right. That's the t- you can, anybody can go up and feature. Right. The, the crowd's already warmed up. Right. You know, and to headline definitely takes some talent, but... Again, you're going up in front of a crowd that's been seasoned, if right, you will. Right, right. And, and pretty much expecting you as the headliner exactly, in some ways. Yeah, exactly. They're, so they're your audience already. Yeah, you've got a built-in gimme card yeah. for the first 10 minutes. So interesting. So you like the challenge of love- getting up in front of a cold audience and winning them over yeah. and warming them up. and that's, Yeah, that's- absolutely. And sometimes, like, the – and especially when I, uh, when I host, I do a lot of – I love doing crowd work. Mm-hmm. I love – not knowing what's going to happen. Right, you know, right. Sometimes Putting yourself out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> very much without a, without a net. And it's right. and the audience likes it, too, because they're like, holy shit, what's he going to say, you know? <laughs> right. And sometimes sometimes there are moments where it just comes together so beautifully, mm-hmm. that you, and the audience knows that moment will never happen again. So it's this really, really cool, intimate bonding thing nice. you can have with the crowd. So, yeah, so when I go out cold, it's like, it's such a fun ride for me, and because again, because I don't know what's and don't get me wrong, sometimes it falls flat on its sure. ass, and I dig a big hole for myself, <laughs> and I got to make sure to get them back so that at least the feature doesn't right. have to deal with it. Right. It's like Obama of the economy. Bush was the opener, and he fucked everything up, and then Obama's got to follow that, right? Right, like digging out of that hole, right? But um, but I love it. I, I do. I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to only open. No, but no, for no. Those, I... For those uh, select weeks, it's it's a fun challenge, but, and but, I welcome uh, it. But I get. I, I just love that because I've never really. No one's ever really articulated it that way f- for me before. And 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 holding that the the, the different spaces that each of those performers then get to hold, mm-hmm. and and yeah, it's. It's yeah, really great I, I neighborhood the studio's in. Oh yes, by the way, yes. I, I just, <laughs> so you know, and I've, my audience knows this already. The big nice uh, high rise across the street. Mm-hmm. Ron Jeremy lives oh, there. Oh, I heard that. Yes, I heard you discuss that <laughs> in one of your last episodes. I just find that to be a little landmark. It should be a little plaque in front of the building or <laughs> you something. Know, just a little side note. Um, as my character, as Skippy Green, uh-huh. I once did a. Uh, they were doing a tribute for Ron Jeremy. Uh huh. Um, in, in, oh, well, blood, by the way, I think the fire truck just pulled up in front. But anyway. <laughs> Ron Jeremy's been fucking the horse again. He's on fire. <laughs> but I, uh, I came up with this. They, they were doing a red carpet thing. And I, as a character, I came up with this line. I go, um, yeah, Ron Jeremy, he's, uh, he slept with over, f- I think he slept with over 10,000 women. My God, if his dick could talk, <laughs> it would have the worst breath. It really would. So, a little Ron Jeremy story. So tell me a little bit about Skippy Green. I was watching some video on him. Oh. <laughs> well, he seems a little old school, that Skippy Green. He is Green. old school. Yeah. Well, I... Um, He's part Shecky, part something. Well, that, that's, the name is an homage to <laughs> yes, Shecky Green. It's yes. spelled the same way, G-R-E-E-N-E, yes. specifically because of that. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of old-style comedy. Mm-hmm. Cat skills. Being orphan. a nice Jew from Florida, that would make sense. Well, yeah. I, I get that. You know, it's but part of your heritage. It is. It really is. Yeah. But, it, but if you really just look back at it, it was just such an amazing precursor to modern-day stand-up comedy, you know? And a lot of a lot of young comics nowadays really don't see how far back that goes. You know, mm-hmm. like I know even your dad um, did before he kind of developed into the 
prophetic wordsmith that he became, <laughs> right. he was doing hippy dippy weatherman. He sure was. And these, you know, these bits that would be considered a little more sticky. Yes. Compare, you know, comparatively. Absolutely. But that's again where it kind of, if you go back even further, back to Martin and Lewis and all, they all just set the road for it. Sid Caesar, Milton Berle. So I just love that, and mm-hmm. I love that old kind of swagger about it. And that mm-hmm. old, that old. I, I can't even like, um, bla, not blase. Uh, just. They, it's almost I can't even describe it. It's just, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I, I, there's just such an amazing um, fluidity, if you will, yeah, to that style. And so Skippy um, was kind of my way of, of of giving tribute to that. But also, I have a really dark sense of humor, mm-hmm. and as as myself, I can't get away with a lot of the things that come into my mind mm. when I go on stage. It just it, it doesn't suit my my persona on stage, right? So Skippy has kind of become that uh, outlet, <laughs> which is really cool that I, I can do that now. Nice. And yeah, so Skippy, it, it's kind of a combination between that old that old style of comedy with a little edge of today's comedy. Right, right. And it just, it, it melded together after a couple of years of developing, really melded together perfectly. Now, now you, you mentioned your persona on stage and that there, you have these dark thoughts that won't fit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, and, and I, one of the things I'm studying right now is the evolution of my father's career because in my show is about being a child, watching him evolve. And Mm -hmm. then it's also about my own evolution in my own life. And so I, you know, I know how comics do evolve over time. And do you think there's a, uh, is there some way in which these dark thoughts might end up becoming more a part of what you do on stage? I mean, I know it's, I know it's a risk, that an artist has to take when they say, Oh, I want to go on. Like, I'm kind of done with this section. Like I have mined all of that. Mm-hmm. And now I want to go over here. Uh, just curious if they've ever it, had any thoughts about that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and lately my act has been going, I wouldn't say darker, but more personal, mm. you know, cause uh, as I told you before we started, I'm engaged now mm-hmm. and this is the longest relationship I've ever had mm-hmm. and I'm living with her now, which I've never done. So all of these experiences that I've, that I might've heard comics talk about already, but I've never personally experienced. I now am. Right. So I'm able to talk a lot more about that from my own point of view. And some of it's a little more, I wouldn't say on the darker side, but on the more risque side, a lot mm. of sexual uh-huh. uh, awkwardness that happens. Uh-huh. Um, and even the, the, the darker thoughts, maybe about political or whatever, I think I'm still able to go to that place, but still present it in a, in a still of a my persona kind of way, almost uh-huh. like a, a safe way of going dark, uh-huh. if you will. Sure, absolutely. Um, but again, I still have Skippy for that, just like for those pure <laughs> ideas. I like, there is no way I could say, there's no way I can soften this up. It is what it is. Right. I can't do it. It's too much of a left turn for my audience to see me do this. Right, right. But I give it to the character. Right. And it's immediately accepted and it works. And and so do you do Skippy on like videos or in live events or? I do Skippy. Uh, yeah, I do like um, Live shows at, at uh, comedy clubs. Uh-huh. Um, I'm actually doing next week at the Key Club. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Phil Verone, is doing his sex stand-up and rock and roll show. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost like an old-time variety show, but again, oh, cool. with um, more harder edge right. kind of things. Right. And um, that again, that's at the Key Club, not quite a comedy club, but right. still a, a live venue. But yeah, then I'll put up, um, I've done TV as Skippy, which is really fun too. 
And uh, yeah, I'll put those videos up. Uh-huh. And I'm actually thinking about starting a podcast with Skippy. Oh, because I've done, be I've done Skippy in a few podcasts, and it and it seems to work. Like, okay, maybe I can maybe drive my own thing. Oh, that would be character. yeah. I, I keep thinking about Tony Clifton. You know, yeah, a lot. Of, and I I think Hoffman was brilliant. And uh, they actually showed the Tony Clifton movie the other day at the Egyptian. Monday. Oh, wow! And my my uh, girl went, and I had a I couldn't go. I was so pissed. But I hear it was brilliant. Well, and, and, uh, and you do know that Tony Clifton is alive and well. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. And he's actually going to be in the audience. We're taping a couple of episodes of The Green Room when we're up in Montreal. Oh, wow. And uh, Tony Clifton is going to grace us with his presence in the audience. I'm sure he won't stay in the audience for the whole thing, though. <laughs> we'll see. We're very <laughs> excited. Uh, to- yeah, but, um, yeah. Tony is brilliant, and his, Tony is, yeah. his, his friend, yeah, Annie Kaufman, was brilliant. Was brilliant, absolutely, yeah. So yeah. I, I love comics like that, comics who, t- who, who, t- who had the, the pulpit to yeah. do comedy but went somewhere different with yeah, it. Yeah, Andy Kaufman you know, was just... just a lot of people didn't get it. I appreciate her so much what he did. I, and same with, like, Ernie Koufax. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, like, all these comedic minds who knew... How to get the how to get the the obvious laugh, mm-hmm. but chose to go for a more obscure laugh. Mm-hmm. And that, not as, and Coffin was great because he did not necessarily want to get a laugh. He yeah. just wanted to evoke reaction or emotion. <laughs> Absolutely, which is what, which is why he would bring his friend Tony Clifton onto a show sometime <laughs> yes. to not necessarily get a laugh, but to get anger uh, or some kind of other raw emotion. Which I, is brilliant to watch. I watched Tony on an episode of Dinah Shore on a cooking segment. I saw that. <laughs> Oh my god! It's just uh, you're. I was crawling in my skin. It was like watching one of the Office episodes when you know Ricky Gervais was in it. You know, it's like one of those things where you almost can't watch but the it's whole Larry, thing. Because, Larry David. Oh, just yes, off. exactly. It's like someone they're like, no, this isn't happening. I, I I highly recommend people Google uh, Tony Clifton Dinosaur. I'm sure you'll find it online. I think that's where I saw uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's where I saw it too. <clears throat> Absolutely. I wish it's great. So yeah, so that's great. You know, I I think about that too for myself. You know, I uh, be- yeah, because you're you're doing your thing at the Comedy Magic Club, right? Yeah, I'm doing it in the lounge, and it's a one woman show, and I don't do stand up. My dad forbade me from doing stand up or, okay. or going anywhere near the art form. Smart. It, I, yeah, and I, well, and because he didn't want me to live the life. I mean, the life is really it's tough, as you know, it's a tough life. Yeah. Uh, he didn't want me to deal with the whole shadow thing and all of that, but but I deal with it anyway, and. Uh, and so it, it's interesting. It's now that I've, you know, Twitter and Facebook are here, and especially Twitter too. Twitter really makes me think mm-hmm. like a stand-up comedian. You know, I mean, oh, I do so- I do all sorts of things on Twitter, but when I'm doing, when you get in that kind of, you know, rhythm with yeah. it, you know, and and especially if people are, you know, if there's some sort of hashtag joke thing going around, and you just start going, and uh, and I'm actually training my mind more as uh, like that kind of stand-up rhythm, and. Uh, I have some friends, Rain Pryor, one of them, who's mm-hmm. actually doing stand-up now in Baltimore. Is she really? She is, wow. yeah, and she's loving it. And it, But it's great. She's in Baltimore. She's kind of protected, and it's it's a smaller venue. Mm-hmm. And then another friend of mine, Amy Stiller, who's... Um, it's Ben's ben, sister. Right? Ben's sister yeah. and, and Anne and Jerry's daughter. She, she started doing a little bit of stand-up, but she did it under another name. She changed her name, so she didn't have to deal with it. And so sometimes I think about, you know, maybe creating a little persona for myself. Like an alter ego <laughs> yes, kind of thing? Yes, and going out there. Why and, not? and pretending I'm someone else completely so I can, like, actually do some of this. Get away with... Some That's, of the stuff I want to do. Again, you know what, what's really fun, too, is sometimes I'll do Skippy and myself on the same show. <laughs> nice. And I'll go out. Generally, I go out first to Skippy mm-hmm. and do, again, you saw the material, dark, filthy, obscure, weird. Yes. 
comedy and get laughs. Right. Go off stage, come back as a headliner like a half hour later. Half the crowd has no idea it's the same oh, person. That's so cool. I'm do- I never acknowledge. I just say give it up for the other comics. Right. Never touching anything I did to Skippy. Right, Again, right. Never- and I've had people come up to me and go, oh, you were so funny, but that other guy with the hat, oh, he was horrible. <laughs> he was creepy. Just, and just lo- looking at, right in their eye going, really? <laughs> really? He was horrible. That's so funny yeah. because my friend Suzanne Wong was here last uh, week, and she does a character called yeah. Sunny Park. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Who's the, the very racist, racist. Yeah. Oh. yes. And then, but she and and the, and the whole setup is that you know uh, Suzanne's late, and so they've got this other comic coming on, so she comes on, and then Suzanne comes on after her and does a whole different set, mm-hmm. you know. And it's 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 it is. It's, but do people know? I would assume people would know because she really just ties her hair up for y- y- Sun Yi. Well, yeah, and she's got, but she does put the whole outfit on. She's right. got a full on Korean. She said the like name a of it. Geisha, last, a little whatever it is. Yeah, the Korean version of that. Uh, but but then she comes out and she's Suzanne and she gets to be it's just Suzanne doing mm-hmm. her thing. So it's 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 it, it is fun. It, it's a fun idea. It, it is. really is. Hmm, maybe next year I'll do something you about do this. Something like that. But yeah, the fact I was saying originally the fact that you're doing something that isn't quite stand up, right. But still in a stand up venue is is taking that that uh, arena yeah. and just doing something different with it. And yeah, it's very yeah. Cool. And and you know, I'm I'm really I mean, I if I did my I wouldn't I probably wouldn't do my show down there once it's up and running. Um I really see it. it's more of a theater, a theater piece, thing, yeah. but yeah. But um Mike Lacey down at the Comedy Magic Club. Very nice, a very nice man, and he's uh, offered the lounge to me to workshop my material. So that he's is really cool. Very, very sweet man. Very, very kind. Uh, we got a few more minutes here, and I wanted to oh, see wow. what else I wanted. To I know, flies I with know. Kelly. I see. I'm, I'm magic time girl. <laughs> <laughs> Can you send me back to when I was 21 with what I know now? Wow. Gotta get laid. <laughs> I'll join you too. Boy, I, I shouldn't marry that man I married. <laughs> that first married man. Oh. Bless his soul. Bless his soul. Bless his soul. Uh, oh, I had a question and for you. And happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. <sighs> Just reminding me, I'm so old. It's so, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm no, fine. You know no, what? I'm fine. I, I, this is, I'm not sure if this is even a little sidetrack, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to be 37 this year. Child. Uh, see, but... <laughs> This, first of all, this is the oldest I've ever been. You know, that's true. And uh, I'm actually, I'm finding myself kind of going, what have I done with my life? It's over. Oh, my God. I got to smack my... And, like, you too. Like, it's only 48. I know. I know. It's but you know, 48. I, I, this is part of what I talk about in my show is I have different ages that I'm at, and I compare that age to what my father was doing at oh, that age. You can't just, do that. I want to jump off a cliff is what I want to do. But, see, I, I but it's say true. It, it happens for everybody... Whatever you want will happen for everybody when it's supposed to happen. Uh, uh, like I've seen guys that started way after me who are on network TV and sitcoms, and oh, I'm like, I think about Lewis Black all the time. This is a man who was a playwright for many, many years mm-hmm. and was, you know, working out in a very small little venue in New York and didn't and really did not start doing stand up until his mid 40s and didn't break until he was his early 50s. Exactly. So and I, I you know, but exactly, it, it, it's, um, it's it's all relative. It's, it's it all is. when it's. Supposed to be. Yes, you know, and my I, dad knew, like you did, see, at eight at eight years old, that he wanted I, to be Danny I read Kay, you know, and whereas eight years old, I was uh, telling my parents to stop arguing over who stole their each other's Coke stash, <laughs> and people wonder why I ended up becoming a therapist. <laughs> hmm. We all have our own beginnings <laughs> into this business. And that, and so you'll learn coming to my show, everyone. That you know, but the, you know, I was a little distracted as a child. I didn't have to understandable. Really, although I was doing my Lily Tomlin in imitations and my Carol Burnett characters and uh, my Lucille Balls because I 
you know, that's who I wanted to Lucille be. Lucille had balls? She did. Little red ones. <laughs> 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 yes, she did. She had desis. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, I want to start calling my testicles desis now. <laughs> hey, honey, could you cup the desis tonight? <laughs> I don't even want to know about that. Um... If you could not do, I don't know why I wanted to ask this question of you today. I just, it came into my mind earlier. If you could no longer do comedy, if you were forbidden from doing comedy, what would you want to do with your life? Can I still do anything in the business or I'm just out of the business completely? Uh, yeah, you can do other things in the business. Oh. Um, I mean, it's, so, so no, with no performing? Because then I'd say You could actor. no longer be a stand-up comedian. Well, then I would say focus on the acting is that something you want to do also, oh, yeah. acting? I've got my um, degree in theater. I've got my degree in theater. And I'm taking, actually, that's why I couldn't see the movie. I was taking a, a, casting, work, a casting director workshop. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I act. And if not that, write. Mm-hmm. And if I couldn't be in the business at all, I'd be a teacher. Oh, a teacher. Mm-hmm. What would you teach? Uh, theater. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, people. <laughs> You're basically born into this world, pretty much. <laughs> but if I couldn't do anything involving performing of any kind, I would pro- honestly, I'd probably teach astronomy. Oh wow, that's I, very I'm cool. I'm fascinated by all of that. That was as much. I suck at math. Could mm. not pass a math class to save my life. But in astronomy, where mm. you still had to use math, yeah. I got A's. Yeah, because, because I was, it was using it exact for yeah. something I was truly interested. Yeah. In. So if I couldn't be in the business at all, I'd be an astronomy teacher. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, Rain's mom is an astronomer, and she really? actually, yeah, she goes up to Mount Wilson all the time and takes people up there to look at the, oh, the planets so cool. and the stars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a teacher. So cool. She teaches at Santa Monica College and one other place, too. Yeah. See, when I think about that, like, that's also when I kind of get depressed, when I really think how insignificant this is. You know, when, I shouldn't say that, because we're not, because the fact that we're here means we're somewhat significant. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of everything in yeah. existence, yeah. we're very minuscule. Yeah. You yeah. know? So when you, it, th- that's the thing, when I think about what truly is out there, yeah, it's so amazing how little our existence it's, it, and is it's, fitting in everything. And it's, it's a great perspective creator because, I mean, I know we were out in Joshua Tree. My friend has a, a pretty nice telescope and we were out there and he's like, yeah, I'm going to show you this guy, this, this, this crab nebula. Mm-hmm. And then he said something like, yeah, it's um, six million light years away. So that means you have to travel at the speed of light. For six million years. years to get to it. If that doesn't fuck with you on a major scale. I mean, I sat there the rest of the night going, I can't think about anything else It's incompre- It really is incomprehensible it is. to try to compare to Completely. anything at all. I know. And, and, that, and I love that. My dad actually was a huge astronomy fan. He had oh, really? books and everything. And my dad knew all the constellations. He'd take me out when we would go out like up in the woods or whatever. And he'd point out and he'd always, I could never memorize them. It always drove me crazy. But he loved that kind of stuff too when he was into quantum physics and, oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it really does. I think it's important to... You know, I mean, if you, if you don't believe in a sky god, you know, like most of us don't, then uh, it's kind of, a, you know, we still are asking the big questions, though. You know, what what is this all about? What are we doing here? How did the fuck did this happen? How did this happen? How did this happen? Like, I had the most... I'm, I'm not a... I wouldn't call myself a drug user. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm a medicinal patient. Excellent, yes. Um, you have your card. I do. My uh-huh. girl actually works at a dispensary. Oh. <laughs> She's Jewish and she loves sex, too. God, see. <laughs> um, but... I did. Uh, I recently tried mushrooms for the first time. Oh! And I had the most cathartic. Just 
everything made sense to me mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it, it, it honestly had to do a lot with astronomy, too. And, like, oh, cool. like there's... there's cause, and, and I'm not trying to shit on anybody, but it kind of made me solidify, wait a minute, there, there, there's no God, per se. Right. There's something beyond this, but I wouldn't say God. Right. But c- because when you think about it, like, Earth, the planet itself, was created by all these particles in space. Mm-hmm. And then we, as creatures... Came out, out of, of the, the earth, earth, yeah, and developed into what we are now, which means essentially everything is connected yes. on this world. You definitely People, took shrooms, yeah, but it makes sense. <laughs> it it makes sense. It really does. Oh damn! And with that, we have to fucking leave today. Oh. I'm sorry, people. I know we just once again we're getting into the good stuff and uh. talking. You know. Uh, Stay tuned for next week's episode. That's right. Actually, thank you. Perfect segue. Wow. Flip should be here more often. Next week, my dear friend Taylor Negron will be here. Oh, I love Taylor. He's so fucking talented, and he and I have a great time. So we're going to have fun next week. And, uh, of course, you know, if you need to reach me, you can reach me at WFADradio at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook and all those things. And you can find Flip at his website. Uh, you go to flipisfunny.com. Wow. Or if you want Skippy Green, you go to lickmyballs.cc. <laughs> the letter C, the letter C. Or if you're Hispanic, it's lickmyballs.yesyes. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know why, why you have that that way. Uh, and we're going to close the show here with uh, Gary Stockdale uh, doing a little song. We're not going to get all of it in. But you guys have heard it before. It's Gary Stockdale doing the song Easier. Uh, so you guys have a great week, and thank you, Johnny Dam, who's uh, here to press a button for me because he's the man. And uh, and uh, thank you, everyone, and have a great week, and uh, go out and look at some stars. Mm-hmm. I don't think I know how to write a song I still write bad similes Like a burden hand is like the day is long Started a career but all I do is worry I have no career I get invited to a party But all I'm thinking is, what am I doing here? When I seem to be most comfortable, really wishing I was still in bed. Always so surprised, folks don't realize I'm just hanging by a thread. Shouldn't it be easier by now? I jump right off the deep end like a jerk 
bad at self-promotion And I sound desperate when I talk about my work My work Ask me what I'm doing, all that I can do Is tell you what I did I try to avoid mistakes my folks made Yet I think I might be screwing up my kid When I think I found the perfect way Somehow I still wind up lost in space Like a house without a floor Like a sea without a shore Try not to lose the human race Shouldn't it be easier by now? Shouldn't I have this down? Shouldn't I be shining through? Collecting all my royalties? Shouldn't I be sure that I know how? Shouldn't I own this town? Shouldn't I be able to depend on my loyalties and friends? Shouldn't it be Radio. On the interweb.